0: Welcome to episode 28 by Fika Wood Rice. This week I meet the inspirational super entrepreneur Kara Golden, founder and CEO of Hint, best known for his award-winning Hint Water. Do you have a dream, something you would love to make happen? Then this is a fantastic episode for you. We hear the life journey of Kara, how she turned all obstacles into opportunities. We speak about her latest book, Undaunted, and her best tips to all 20-year-olds something on how to create the life that you want and how you, can ignore all the naysayers. A mega inspirational episode with so many actionable advices to our young listeners and how you can turn your obstacles into opportunities. Let's get this weekend started. This is Kara's story. Let's go. Hello, Kara. Welcome to Fika with Rice. I'm so excited to have you on the show because I think I've emailed you five or six times and finally you have said yes. That's a true story, you know. You started at Time Magazine, you worked at CNN, you created a $150 million business called Hint whilst having a, a fourth child. Are you a superwoman or a superperson, you know? And you know what? Like, By the way, you're also the, an author of the new book Undaunted, you know, amazing.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for the nice intro. I appreciate that and excited to be here.
0: Thank you very much, Kara. I wanted to start this episode with some rapid-fire questions. It has become a new tradition here at Fika with Rice, and our guests, uh, they love it. It goes like this. I'll make a statement, and then you'll finish the sentence. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. If I was 20 years old today, I would...
1: Believe in the journey.
0: The biggest mistake I made when I was in college was
1: believing I wanted to be a lawyer
0: when I grew up my biggest dream was
1: going back to the lawyer and I can't tell you why I wanted to be a lawyer
0: (laughs) maybe a tv series or something okay
1: no you know what I I know why I know why I wanted to be a lawyer but I it didn't it doesn't really make sense it sounded good people accepted the fact that I wanted to be a lawyer but I have a brother Uh, who's 15 years older. I watched him and and I was always curious about what he was doing. So while he was in law school, he would talk to me about cases that he was learning about. And I was fascinated by lots of aspects. And so I know why, but it didn't mean that that was why I should actually become a lawyer.
0: (laughs) Yes. The most common mistake entrepreneurs make
1: thinking that it will go faster than it does
0: i agree 100 my mother always well she told me when we started absolute internship she said frederick are you willing to work five six seven years without a salary because uh, an overnight success takes an average 10 years that's what she had seen in her life so
1: totally. i agree, I agree.
0: Okay. The best advice I received from my mother when I was young was?
1: Well, my mom used to say to me that it's important to wake up every day and enjoy what you're doing. Because if you're not going to be enjoying what you're doing, then it will actually halo into the rest of your life.
0: It is true. Very wise, your mother. I wished I knew when I started to write my book.
1: I wished I knew that so many people needed to get through the hard thing that was blocking them. And that would be the draw to people reading this book. And when I wrote Undaunted, I wanted to share my story, in many cases, entertain people by the situations that I had been through in building my company. As I was going through hard stuff, I would say to friends of mine and family, you can't make this up. I mean, it's just some of the stuff that goes on is just crazy. And I'm sure you've had those situations too where you just can't believe it. And so I wanted to write a lot of these things down because I felt like I could help people get through their own stuff by saying, I've been through that before. And here's how you can also get through it. But I didn't realize that so many people never even try to get through stuff because they fear the wall. They don't have the right experience. They see this wall as so big that they can't overcome it. They think that entrepreneurs are a special breed, that they just woke up and wanted to do it it's an impossible to change careers and so people just don't do that and so i didn't realize that my book would have such a draw to so many people even ones that weren't entrepreneurs mostly because they aspired to be an entrepreneur but they were too scared and they feared it
0: my biggest hobby is
1: hiking okay i i hike every day and uh, oh, wow. i just Yeah, I just, and uh, part of my draw to living in Marin County, where I live, is that I have a hundred acres of trails in my backyard, so I don't have to park. That's amazing. Yeah, I I hike usually five to eight miles every day. and uh, How
0: many hours does that take, Kara?
1: Usually an hour and a half uh, to two hours, but what I find is it really... It's my time to go think. I typically mm-hmm. do it first thing in the morning. I love it when there's not a lot out there, but the birds and the trees and I take my dogs, my Labradors with me.
0: Love it's, Labradors.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. And, uh, and so I, I really enjoy that. But I'm a city person, too. I love cities. Um, I live about 20 minutes from San Francisco. But I love the idea of being where there's trails and trees and and nature. I think that it it really is something that balances me a lot.
0: Do you know what a blue zone is? Or X amount of blue zones? Okay, so like... During the pandemic me and my wife we got really really into blue zones basically because we're, we're just watching travel documentaries every evening on YouTube but anyway blue zones are certain zones in the world where people live above hundred years old mm-hmm. so there's Okinawa there is Sardinia so I have-
1: yeah.
0: We we became obsessed. We, I went to Sardinia last year, the year before, you know, we met these old people, you know, those that lived above 100. And one thing that they all have in common, there's a place in Costa Rica as well, is that they walk 10 to 15 kilometers. I don't know what that becomes in miles, but that's basically, you know, a few hours per day. So they're not like running. They're not doing something like high intensity. They're walking. Yeah, there's something about that.
1: There's know? definitely something about that. And it's, it's something underrated. I think that people really need to get out. And I feel like it's interesting. I was just talking to somebody about this the other day who's in her 20s and she's an entrepreneur. And she heard that I had been out hiking and she just recently moved to Los Angeles. And she said, you know, when I think about why I moved to Los Angeles, I moved there because it's sunny. It's got a lot of outdoor space. And she said, but I, I'm never outside. I never go outside. I don't have time. It's hard. There's no parking. And, and she said, after talking to you, I think I need to move closer to where it becomes easily accessible for me to not really think about it and walk outside. uh do walk and talks where if I have meetings, you know, be able to be on the phone because I think it's if nothing else, just being in nature really changes you.
0: hundred percent, I agree hundred percent with that. you know, I love the nature. So you grew up youngest of five children. How do you think that shaped shaped you as a child and as a person?
1: I always felt uh, ripped off. <laughs> that I, I didn't understand why my older brothers and sisters had, you know, more money than I did to go to the mall, right? And the reason they had more money is that they had jobs. And so they always made money and they were always able to do things. So I was constantly trying to keep up with them. I would, you know, do babysitting or I started a kid's camp when I was 12 years old. And then I finally got my first real job at a toy store when I was 14 years old. And that was a lot of fun. I learned a lot about about margins and buying toys and, and lots of great things. But I think that having, you know, being the last of five, it really sets your curiosity up to understand why. And I wasn't afraid to ask why. At, you know, a very young age, I was constantly, my dad would say no to me and I'd say, why? And he'd say, because. And I'd say, that's not an answer. And so it's, uh, and so I was, I was that kid, um, annoying, right. But it was, um, it was definitely, I think, set me up to be able to be relentless and live with perseverance and all of these, you know, great factors that I think most entrepreneurs need.
0: Before this interview, I, I read that you had a dream when you were younger to work for a magazine upon graduation. Why, why did you have that dream?
1: when I was in college, I was always a writer. I, I really enjoyed writing and I ended up taking classes in finance primarily because I didn't understand finance. I, I think my high school didn't have a very strong math program. And so for me, it, it was fine, but it wasn't as strong as maybe um, some other math programs. And so when I got to college, some of my friends were finance majors, business majors, and I would watch them talk about things like EBITDA and, you know, just different things that were just really hard to me and really scary to me. So when I had an opening in my schedule to take a finance class, I thought I should go take a finance class because I'm curious about it. Uh, It was the first C I had ever gotten in my life. I, 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 couldn't believe I got a C. So at that point I went and talked to the professor and he told me that I should, in addition to studying harder, I should also read the wall street journal and a magazine called fortune magazine. And I think the wall street journal for me, it didn't used to have any graphics at all. I mean, it was very, it was all text and I thought it was so boring Uh, But Fortune Magazine, I felt like just by reading it, I started to understand a lot of things that I was studying in college, in my finance class. And so it was at that point when I graduated, I ended up, by the way, getting a minor in finance. I I was a major in communications and journalism. And I thought, where would I want to work? I definitely want to do something in writing but what I really like to do is go work for those people who helped me understand finance because if I could go and work for Fortune magazine I mean th- that would be terrific and I think it's funny I look back on that and definitely have talked to other people about how they thought about getting a job and for me Fortune was definitely a big brand and you know an incredible name but I think I also really felt like I would find people there who would teach me something and who would make me understand. And that's who I always wanted to work for. And I mean, frankly, it's something that I share with people today that if you think one day you want to become an entrepreneur or run your own company, I mean, going and working for somebody and supporting them who you believe is going to teach you some things that will help you in your next step that's an incredible thing to do, right? That that is, you know, rather than going and working for people just because it's a job and it's a paycheck, go and work for people that you really think that it's a little scary. You don't exactly understand uh, what you'll be working on, um, and or maybe you high level know what you're going to be working on, but don't understand that yet. You're not a master in that yet. I think that that's what you should really be focusing on when you're going and getting any job, where are you going to learn? And how are you going to learn? Because again, going back to what my mom said, if if you wake up every single day and feel like you have something to do and you have meaning and you have purpose and you're headed towards something, that's what everybody needs at every age, right? You always have to find something that's going to keep you curious. That's going to keep you learning and, and, that I think is the secret of life.
0: That's an amazing advice. That's an amazing advice because I have so many college students and recent graduates, even some high school students that are listening to, to the show, and I'm sure like they're gonna really love this advice when they are taking on their first full time job.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and I think you know it could be you're starting with. Uh, for me, Fortune was a brand that I I didn't know any people that were. At Fortune magazine, I opened up the magazine and I saw that the managing editor was a gentleman named Marshall Loeb. And so I wrote him a letter and I told him I didn't sit there and tell him I was you know the greatest thing in the world um, and that I had incredible experience because I didn't. Instead, I thanked him. For publishing a magazine that helped me to better understand something that was once really hard for me. And went on and on about sort of my experience and how I used his magazine to really help me better understand things that gave me confidence, uh, gave me the tools that I needed. And he wrote me back and said, Thank you so much. Like people don't write to me and tell me how the magazine has helped them. And that's a powerful thing for anybody listening to remember because people don't necessarily tell you how you helped them in some way, especially if you're reading something. Maybe you don't write to the person who actually wrote the article. How many people are coming back to you saying, you really helped me in my first step, right? I like things like that. But again, if you're a small percentage of people that actually do it and you're writing to Freddie and saying, Freddie, you really helped me figure out what I wanted to do or what I didn't want to do as a first step. And it, or maybe you helped me understand something. If you're a small percentage of people that actually do that, then I bet you'll get a letter back from them. I bet they'll want to help you in some way. And and so. That's when I actually took that letter, and the last sentence in the letter was, "If you're ever in the New York area, uh, let me know." And so I was living in Arizona at the time, and I used my babysitting money, my money I was waitressing. I used all of it, and I bought a plane ticket to to go out to New York. I stayed with a friend of my sister's in New York City. I had never been to New York, and I. You know, people said, oh, my gosh, you're going all by yourself. And I said, yeah, it, I'm really scared to go out. I'm not going to lie. But it, I think if nothing else, it will be really exciting. Hopefully, I'll get to see Mr. Loeb and, uh, and meet him in person. But if I don't, I still went to New York. And I still experienced something that I didn't experience yesterday. And I think that's a question that I always pose to people that they should ask themselves when things scare them. What's the worst that can happen? So you went to Sardinia. You didn't know if you were going to meet people. You thought maybe you were going to meet people that interested you in some way. Right. And it's and true.
0: You know, Kara, like I'm just sitting here soaking everything in because I resonate so much. I'm like, you know, my soul is connecting to you because, yes, Sardinia, my wife, she feels uncomfortable talking to strangers. And she's like, well, we should be booking a tour to meet these older people, you know, these honey rolls. And I'm like, no, we're going to go to random cafes and we're going to see who shows up. And we're going to talk to strangers. You know, that's, that's how we're going to do it.
1: And now uh, and and you and how much did you learn from
0: them? We, uh, we learned so much I actually like we ended up talking to four older people who then the year after they invited us to their homes you know That's so incredible. incredible you know Kara but I, I love the way you reached out to mr. Loeb because last year I started a new initiative. Basically, I, I committed to myself to write two handwritten ri- letters each month to entrepreneurs that I admire. And I'm like, you know what? I'll send them something that I admire from them and that they have taught me, and I will not expect anything back. I will not expect that they'll ri- they will write back. But, you know, It's maybe one out of five, one out of seven that replies back. And it's very nice. It's a great way to connect with people, you know, and not that I want anything from them, but just a great way to connect with like-minded people and people that you aspire, you know, and look up to.
1: And the number of people who don't do that, right? And I think that, you know, again, you might reach out and you never hear from them. But then that one time that somebody writes back and, and says, thank you. And I think if you can, it's so much easier today to find talks that they've done or things they've written that inspired you in some way, Um, or maybe they're on social media and you see that they tweet something, your chances of, of actually connecting with somebody. And again, down the road, you might not need them today, um, but you just, you never know. Uh, So the Marshall Loeb, it's it's an interesting story. I I never met Marshall until much later uh, after I had left. Uh, But his son, after I'd left Time uh, Magazine, I never got a job at Fortune Magazine, but the sister publication, Time Magazine, was hiring. And so I decided to take a role there because Fortune Magazine actually told me that the letter that Mr. Loeb had sent me um, was, uh, they weren't even sure if he wrote the letter. I found out years later that he did write the letter, but, uh, they said he would never hire you because you don't have experience. And so I said, okay, well, are there any other jobs in the building? I mean, there's a lot of other magazines in this building that are part of the Time Inc. magazine company at the time. And, and so it's just so happened that, There was one at Time Magazine. And so I asked for the interview and figuring that maybe I could get a job at Time and then one would open up a fortune later. But getting back to Mr. Loeb, it was interesting. I I remember a couple of weeks into my job at Time, I was uh, an assistant for a woman named Brooke McMurray. And one of her very good friends was Michael Loeb, who was Marshall Loeb's son. And so when I met Michael Loeb, I said, are you related to Marshall Loeb? And he said, I am. That's my father. And I said, oh, I, I said, I, uh, I I received a letter from him. And he said, you did? And I said, yes, I'll, I'll bring it tomorrow. And I showed him the letter. And he said, wow, that's incredible that he wrote you this letter. He didn't know that he wrote me the letter. and." Uh, Years later, after I left Time and went on to some different roles, um, all of my former companies, including Time, were rolling up into one. I, I worked at CNN and then I went on to America Online, and they were all becoming one company. And there was a group that was actually working on a transition team to bring all of the companies together. And Michael Loeb was part of that group. And so, and we're still friendly to this day. Uh, it was funny when he was having a party in, in New York, um, out in the Hamptons a few years ago, my team was delivering Hint to his home for a, a big benefit that he was having. And uh, they were they couldn't make it to his house on time because there was a car accident on the freeway. And so they were uh, they called me and they knew that I was out there already. And they said, do you have any cases of Hint at your house? Could you go and drop them at this address? and I said, what is the gentleman's name? And they said, Michael Loeb. And I said, oh, my gosh. So the of stars are,
0: I, they were aligned, Kara. They were aligned. I and
1: so I brought the cases and he said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. And <laughs> I said, I said, I'm back. I'm here. And he, he just he laughed. So you never know where people show up.
0: It is true. It is true. Yeah. I like to tell that to all the young people, you know, that that I work with that, you know, karma is real, you know, karma is real, so.
1: It, it is very real.
0: Yeah, you you mentioned Hint, you know, and I was gonna ask you about that. You you were you were a professional, like you said, you worked for Time Magazine, CNN, then you became an entrepreneur. Why did you start Hint?
1: I have my uh, strawberry lemon right now. <laughs> I took a couple of years off after America Online and I decided I was starting my family. When I was starting my family, I was reading labels and what I was putting into my kids' bodies. I was fascinated by, you know, all these different things. I would also notice that when I would give my kids, for example, apple juice, that they would, it was a lot of sugar and they would get crazy, right? They and they and so I thought. I really want to understand what I'm putting into my kids' bodies so that they're as healthy as they could be. And one day I was looking down at my diet soda, Diet Coke in particular, and I couldn't believe the ingredients in the Diet Coke. I thought I would never give this to my kids. And why am I drinking it? And that's when I decided that I was going to stop drinking it. And I was going to instead see what would happen. If anything changed, if I felt better, it's interesting because I never thought I had a health issue until I stopped drinking diet soda. And I had gained a lot of weight over the course of all of my pregnancies. And I had a very difficult time losing the weight. And I had also developed really bad adult acne. And again, never equated that to my body's inability to process sweet. And, um, you know, for me, the word insulin resistance always was something that was associated with people who had diabetes. It wasn't something that was associated with people who um, didn't have diabetes yet, but instead were having a hard time processing. So that's why I was having a hard time losing weight. And so when I dropped drinking diet soda, that's when two and a half weeks later lots of things happened. I lost over 20 pounds in two and a half weeks, 24 pounds. And then I also uh, got rid of my adult acne um, that I had thought was a, you know, allergy to something. It was actually a uh, problem with what I was putting in my body versus actually what I was putting on my skin. And so that's when I really started thinking about how many people are probably fooled. Obviously, diet soda is a massive industry. Yeah. Um, and diet in general uh, is a massive industry where people are dieting constantly and nobody's really focusing on these ingredients and these sweeteners. In fact, you know, today, uh, when we look at the diet sweetener industry, um, there's words like natural and organic. And zero, that automatically people's brains think that those things are healthy because if they're natural, they're fine. And yet that has nothing to do with how sweet it is and how your body is regulating it. So I started really thinking about these things. I wasn't working, right? So I had lots of time on my hands and I thought, how do I solve this problem? First of all, for myself around I was really thirsty. Now that I wasn't drinking diet soda, I was drinking water, and water was so boring. I was never a water drinker, a plain water drinker, and so I started slicing fruit and throwing it in the water. And I thought, why isn't there something so simple in stores? Why does everything have to have color and sweeteners? And uh, so, 17 years ago, I walked into my local store and I said, how. to get a product on the shelf. And it wasn't somebody who worked for the store and uh, developed products. Um, He wasn't doing private label, it's called. Instead, he was just stocking the shelves. And he said, oh, are you looking for the program, the local program to develop products? And I said, sure. Like, what, what is that exactly? And I just thought it was, you're smiling as I'm telling you this. I thought it was fun. I mean, I just thought I couldn't believe that there was a program that I could tell this gentleman that I could that I wanted to be a part of it. And I thought I'm going to learn something. And so I said, can you give me the person's email? So I did. And they said, if you have a product, then come and tell us. And we try and have about 10 percent of our selection all locally produced. And it, this was at a store called Whole Foods. so. Nine months later, I brought my product in. I didn't know whether or not they would accept it or not, but I said, I want to get into the local program. And so I was pregnant with my fourth, uh, with Justin on the day I was delivering. And I said, it would make me feel terrific if you put the product into the program and on the shelf. So maybe I guilted him a little bit uh, because I was so pregnant. And then he called me the next day and said, we're sold out. We went through 10 cases. And I said, who bought them? I mean, this is this is crazy. And I just wanted to get it on the shelf. I didn't know that people would actually buy it. I mean, I hoped they would, but I didn't know that they would buy it so quickly. And so that's a story of, I, I think in some way, I gamified it for myself. I, I had it as a goal, but I didn't really take it that seriously. I didn't really stop and say, I want to go start my own company. Uh, I want to be an entrepreneur. I had worked for incredible entrepreneurs after time. As we mentioned, I worked at CNN when it was a young company, a late stage startup. So got to see Ted Turner in action. And amazing. And then, yeah, it was crazy. And then when I moved to San Francisco, uh, I shared the story in the book the only person really company that i associated with uh the bay area was apple and when i was in college when i was typing all my papers i bought an apple computer and i um so i had one of the first apple computers and it was um none of my uh roommates could touch my computer it was like so cute it had a little apple on it i loved it and it was um, Really, really cool. And so I thought if I could go and work for Steve Jobs and I could go and be in Apple, that would be incredible. But I kept thinking about who they would hire to come into Apple. And I kept thinking, well, I don't have engineering experience, I don't have product development experience, I only had media experience. So I'm sure they won't hire me. But as I was doing research, I found that there were five guys who had worked for Steve who had started a company that was doing shopping. And it what is now the early days of direct to consumer, they were putting catalogs onto a disc and it was called to market. And it's a very little known Steve Jobs idea that was started inside of Apple and Apple decided not to continue it. And so they spun it out. And so I Picked up the phone and called one of the people who was quoted in an article. And I said, I just moved here from New York. And I'm fascinated by this idea of telling consumers to insert a disk into the machine. And then the machine would actually put the graphics onto a hard drive. And this is at a time when the internet was using dial up. There was no. Uh, I remember those
0: days. I remember those days. It it was
1: crazy. And you'd be disconnected if your brother in the next room wanted to get on a chat room or play the game, you'd be disconnected. So there was no way that graphics were going to be able to get into someone's home. You weren't going to be able to do direct to consumer or certainly not going to be able to do direct to consumer as it related to products that needed graphically interesting things. So I was fascinated by it. I didn't understand the technology behind it. Um, but I understood from a consumer because I was a consumer. And so, when I convinced this gentleman uh, to go to coffee with me, um, here's another piece for people who are listening that I think is really interesting. I was sitting here so fascinated with the fact that these gentlemen worked for Steve Jobs. And I thought, what was it like to work for Steve Jobs? What was it like to work for at Apple? I just think that would be the coolest thing. And they said, what was it like to work for Ted Turner at CNN? I mean, CNN is on the cusp of something big, and here, I thought it was like no big deal. I mean I, I I thought it was a big deal, but I had experienced it, so it wasn't really that big of a deal. but for uh, for them, they thought it was a big deal. And then when they heard what I had been working on at CNN, they said, "You should come and work with us." And I said, "What would I do?" And they said, you would go out to all of these retailers and like the gap, and you would get them to put their merchandise onto this disc. And I said, so how do you make money? And they said, well, that's your job. You have to figure out how we make money because we just make the product. We don't, we don't know how to make money. And that's what you were doing. at." I said, wait a minute, you don't make money. I mean, how, how, how do you stay in business? And they said, well, we have investors like America Online. They're investors and Apple, they're investors in our company. And I was fascinated. That was my first. I hadn't seen that side of the of the world of entrepreneurship, right, of startups until I hit Silicon Valley. And then I was this was there was like a world out there that just seemed Uh, so foreign to me in many ways. And so this was really, you know, my second startup behind CNN. And uh, when they offered me a job, it was, uh, you know, it was six of us. um, And I was, you know, one of the only, I was actually initially the only woman. Um, And then very quickly, there were some other women in in the group as well. Uh, But about a year and a half into to market, we needed Capital and we went to our investor, America Online, and they said, "Why don't we just buy you?" And so that's when I uh, went in house at America Online and was handed this button called shopping, and I was essentially doing exactly what I had been doing at To Market, but on a larger scale. And at this point, um, the the uh, connectivity was getting faster, and uh, and so it was, we were no longer using the disc uh, that we had been originally using for to market. And after seven years, that's when it was a billion dollars in revenue. So it was an exciting time to be there. And, you know, it's that's another thing that people have talked about in the book. I've had some universities and business schools who have read about this. They're like, did you know that you were living in this time that was really historical for direct-to-consumer. It was the early days of direct-to-consumer. And of course not, right? All I knew is that every day I loved what I was doing. It was interesting. It was like uh, building a puzzle with no picture. I had no idea where we were going. I just knew every single day I needed to continue making progress. And that was the thing that that I lived by.
0: Kara, you have four children, and by the way, your journey is is amazing. It's so inspirational. Um, you started hint as a mom. W- what would you say to all the mom entrepreneurs? because my wife and and I we just had a baby. She's three months old now, the baby. Um, thank you very much. How did you manage running Hint, like having employees and what's your best advice to all the mom entrepreneurs out there?
1: Well, I think, first of all, uh, not that you have to be, be married to have uh, to have children, but I think definitely uh, pick your partner well. So my husband definitely was uh, wanted to be very involved and wanted to uh, be a part of our children's lives. So it wasn't just me um, from the beginning, but I think uh, more than anything, what I realized is that when you're starting your own business and you are uh, starting your family as well, I think I always wanted to go faster, right? But I also wanted to be a part of my children's lives. And so I think that the beauty of running a startup is that you can actually control uh, how fast you're gonna go, right? And sometimes when your company like ours did, uh, when I started Hint, it's an unsweetened flavored water. uh, We were not just starting a company, but also starting a new category. And the consumer needed to catch up to where I was. I mean, I had caught up with this idea that Diet sweeteners were not good for me, but there weren't a lot of people um, 17 years ago who saw that. And so when you're trying to teach the consumer, when you're trying to help the consumer catch up to where you are, sometimes it takes time. And so I think for me, being able to start a company and start my family, I was able to have patience a lot more um, because I had two things to focus on along the way. The other thing that I've learned about entrepreneurship, and I didn't learn about it until much later, my son Keenan, when he was 12, he, I think he was watching Sheryl Sandberg on television talk about lean in. And he said, mom, I didn't realize that women don't run companies. And I thought, oh no, now I have to listen to this for out of my son. And he said, no, I, what I mean is I didn't realize that I was living in a world where I'm able to experience that you're running a company and there aren't very many women who are running companies. And I don't understand because you you're a great mom, uh, you're a great CEO, and I get to watch you every single day think about these things. And it he plays a lot of tennis. And the next day he came home and he said, it makes me really angry. That we can't play with girls on our teams. That it's separated boys and girls, and there are a lot of girls who are better players than the boys.
0: I agree, hundred percent. Right, and he yeah. said,
1: it, and he said it, it's stupid and it's crazy, and uh, he said, and I just don't understand it. And I said, well, why don't you change that? And he said, I think I will. And he yeah. went and talked to the school. Unfortunately, he was graduating. Uh, that year. So he um, didn't get a chance to uh, get too far with it. But I said, the fact that you speak up and you talk about those things, it's that's different. And you never know. I mean, what will happen? So again, being a role model uh, for your children, I never thought when I was starting a company was something that uh, would happen, right, that would transpire. Instead, I worried about maybe I should be in, around them or maybe I should uh, not be working, all of those things that I think parents think about. But I think if you can show your children that you enjoy what you're doing every day, that you're challenged, that you find something that you're passionate about, and you go and do it. And also something that has purpose and mission. Um, in our case, helping people to get healthier. I think that that's um, that's a powerful thing. And as my daughter told a parent when she was very young, she was in a carpool and the parent said, where is your mother these days? Uh, Is she traveling and on business? And she said, yes, I, I think she's fighting big sugar. I think that's what she's doing she's out somewhere like fighting big sugar and uh i don't know she's going up against the big soda companies i don't know exactly what she's doing but that's what she that's what she's doing and they 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 got off they they let my children out and they called me the parent did and and started laughing and she said you know that's what you want in your kid like i love that yeah Great. I
0: love that, Kara, and also from your son. You know, um, I train martial arts, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and um, I don't know if you know what it is, but they basically yeah. we, we okay. But on the tatami, we spar and we train with ladies and women. And I asked my my jiu-jitsu professor when I started. I'm like. So, are we supposed to fight women? And he was like, you know, on the And he said, on the tatami and in the world, Freddie. He said, women and men are equal. I don't see them as different. So I love it. Yeah,
1: I love it. It's great.
0: Kara, let's talk about your book. Why did you write *Undaunted*?
1: I wanted to help people recognize that they weren't alone. Right. That as they went through things, I, when I started *Hint*, I really believed, even though I had worked for entrepreneurs and seen a lot of incredible things, I, I started to think of about every single day, the doubters and uh, my own doubts in my head of whether or not I could do it. Maybe, you know, there were moments when I would have a failure and I would think, well, it's because I I didn't grow up in the beverage industry or, you know, I don't have experience. People would automatically count me out because I had four children or, and I, you know, there was no way I was going to be able to make this successful or I didn't have uh, beverage experience or a food experience. And therefore I couldn't actually start this company. And what I realized along the way that it was that I was capable of doing it, but I had to believe that I was doing it. And so Things like I've said to entrepreneurs, like if you don't actually believe in your company and what it's doing to help people and that it will have value, then no one else will. And you really have to get your mind focused on that and believe it. And you have to believe it every single day. And if you don't, then you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. And things like that, Um, life lessons that I've learned along the way, like Competition. When competition comes in, you automatically think, especially when it's a larger company like in our case, Coca-Cola, you think, okay, they're going to be doing a product that is going to be competitive with mine and therefore I'm going to be dead. I might as well buy my coffin. Right. As I used to say, because they're going to they have a lot more money and it's going to be terrible. But instead, what I realized is that large companies, when they notice you when they are deciding that they're going to go into your space, what they do is actually bring awareness to the fact that it is, uh, it, it is something that people should be watching. And the only thing you can do is focus on what you do and continue to be better and continue to focus on doing your product. You, maybe you were the first, maybe you started this category. Um, but, but when people copy you, it, that is, they are admiring what you've done. Maybe they would like to crush you, not to say that it's not disruptive, but what I've learned is large companies are, in every category, are terrible at incubating. And more than anything, your job is to continue doing what you can control every single day and continue uh, to continue doing what you do every single day and stay alive. Have enough capital to be able to continue um, and wait it out. And so lessons like that, I, again, whether you want to uh, whether you want to start your own company, whether you're an entrepreneur now, whether you're in the food or beverage industry, it doesn't matter. I think there are lessons that people uh, can take away um, in life that are really, really valuable.
0: Let's say I'm on, on Amazon right now, Kara, uh, and I see Undaunted. What's the message? What's the overarching message that you would like to give to me with a book?
1: You're capable of doing a lot more than you think you can. Uh, and I think that okay. living undaunted is something that you sign up for. Uh, you're not born this way. There are many failures and challenges that you will hit along the way, uh, but you have to decide that that's all going to be part of your journey. That those things that you face when you have challenges—we've all experienced COVID over the last two years. Um, Some people have had a worse experience than other, but that is all part of your journey, and you have to believe that those that there are lessons. There are. Decisions that you made along the way. There are things that you realized about yourself that make you stronger. And I think that this book is a reminder to people that uh, they can do a lot more than they're capable of. Um, but you have to decide first that you're going to live undaunted.
0: Amazing. Thank you, Kara. Where can people find you online to learn more about you?
1: So on, uh, all social platforms at Kara Golden and, uh, definitely mentioned my book undaunted. It's, uh, also available globally on audible, um, for download too. And, uh, also I interview incredible entrepreneurs on my podcast called the Kara Golden show. Uh, so it's, uh, now become a number one trending entrepreneur podcast. worldwide. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's amazing.
0: Congratulations, Kara.
1: It's, you know, it's fascinating to me actually, because hint is only in the United States right now. We haven't gone outside of the U S but I think the idea of entrepreneurship is a global one, um, that to find what you want to be doing and your purpose. And ultimately I think if you do something that you enjoy as, as my mom used to say, um, that will be successful. And you will be able to your family will see that you're enjoying what you're doing uh, and it will rub off, so to speak. And so I think there are stories that many stories along the way that uh, I get to hear from entrepreneurs I know or I meet along the way. And so I have them on my podcast as well. Fantastic.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. Kara it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, I, I feel so inspired, so pumped up uh, and I'm sure everyone in the audience too. everyone, please check out Kara's new book Undaunted, Whatever you buy your books. Um, I've learned a lot and I uh, hope you enjoyed it as well. Kara. Uh,
1: Thank you so much.
0: A lot of gratitude for listening to Fika Wood Rice. I really mean that. If you like the show, I would love if you can leave us a five-star review, whatever you're listening to your podcast. It helps us so much to get the word out there to other listeners. If you have any questions or any feedback, I would love to hear from you. I'm just a DM away on Instagram or TikTok at fredyvanhuen. So looking forward to hearing from you guys. Thank you so much.